Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. So I have, as I was preparing for the sermon today, two words came to me that I thought I should deliver to you. And one of those words is that if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, some of us are willing to eat the good of the land. And we wonder why the good of the land is not materializing. Yeah, we are not obedient. Yeah, it's simple. It says if you are willing and obedient. It's not if you are willing or obedient. You must be willing and obedient. And so God is calling us to a place of radical obedience where you hear it and act on it immediately. You know the word disobedience? It's composed of two words. One word is dis, the other one is obedience. This means bad. Eh? I give examples. Disease. You are not at ease. Your ease is bad. Eh? Yeah. Dysentery. Spelled a bit differently. Entry means your digestive system. So dysentery is when your digestive system is disturbed. So disobedience it doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't obeyed. But also when you delay to obey, ah, that is still disobedience. So you're not eating the good of the land because you are disobedient. God is calling us to a place of radical obedience. That's a word for somebody here today. The second thing I want to tell you and move on quickly is that thanksgiving, yeah, thanksgiving is a doorway to blessing. Did you know that? I can prove it. Thanksgiving is a door to blessing. Thanksgiving is a doorway to abundance. Thanksgiving is a doorway to the miraculous. Solomon gave thanks to God by sacrificing a thousand bulls. That day God showed up at his room and asked him, what do you want? When was the last time God asked you, what do you want? No, we've started, eh? Yeah, we started. We started. When was the last time God asked you, what do you want? Thanksgiving. The other example is Jesus. He's faced with a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And all he has to work with is two fish and five loaves of bread. What does the Bible say? That he took them and he gave thanks. And the moment he gave thanks, the fish and the bread were multiplied. The day he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, in John 11, around verse 41, it says he stood at the tomb and asked them to roll the stone away. 
And then what does he do? He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Thanksgiving. And after giving thanks, Lazarus walks out of the tomb. A person who had been dead four, years, four, four days walks out of the tomb complete and healed from the disease that killed him in the first place. Thanksgiving is a door to the miraculous. If you have noticed, every time they call for meetings and they ask, who has a testimony? Have you noticed it's always the same people? It doesn't mean that they are the boldest people in the room. No. It's because they have set a trend. Once they testify today giving thanks to God for what he has done, he does another thing. So tomorrow they'll have another thing to testify about. And when they testify about that, the next day God will do another thing and another thing. If you want to be giving testimonies every day, start giving testimonies every day. That's how it works. And today we are here on Thanksgiving Sunday, thanking God for what he has done, saying how great he is, bringing our gifts and special offerings to give to him for his goodness. Watch and see the testimony for instead of complaining be thankful be thankful that you are alive to be able to complain yeah and then don't complain just be thankful always and you'll find yourself living in the supernatural accidentally without praying and fasting about it, it will come to you. So those are the two words I had to offer to us this morning. I'm not done with the sermon. Now we start on the real thing that brought us here. We are continuing with our teaching from last week. Thanks to Apostle. We were talking about uh, advantage service, serving. The advantage in serving. What do we get because we serve? What are the results of our serving? All right? What are the benefits of serving? And last week, Apostle was able to cover four or five, like four and a half. So I want us to quickly go over those four and a half, and then we shall come back and continue and complete. Pray for me. People, pray for me. Because the time eh, is beautiful. I'm getting some feedback on my mic. I don't know why. Can somebody help me fix that? All right. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 27. I'll read that quickly. It says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, if you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise, exercise authority over, the, sorry, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You see, we live in a world where in order to gain, you must trample over others. Right? And yet the kingdom of God works in the reverse. That if you want something, you sow into the thing that you want to see. 
So if you want others to serve you, that's what you want to harvest. Others serving you. What do you sow? You sow serving others. If you want money, you sow money. And even in the natural, if you want mangoes, you don't plant fene. You plant mangoes. That's how it works. And that's exactly how the kingdom works. That you sow so that you may reap. And you reap the abundance of what you have sown. So if you want to be served, in other words, you want to be great, what you must do is get down and serve others. The funny thing with that though is that when you get to serve others, the Bible tells us that humble yourself before the Lord and in due time he will lift you up. Okay? When you humble yourself and start to serve others, then God lifts you up. Now the more he lifts you up, you're going to find it harder to serve. But this is the thing. When you are lifted up, there's things that only you can do for other people. There's things that only you can do for other people when you're at a certain level, having been raised. You know there are people who would like to go and have a conversation with the president. There are only certain people who can give you access to the president. Not everyone. And those are people at a certain level of greatness and influence. So as you serve at this level, God lifts you up. And when God lifts you up, what happens is that everyone now wants to serve you. Now it's harder for you to serve everyone. But God has equipped you with a special position that it is only you who can do certain things for some people. We were trying to buy a piece of land the other day. And so we approached this guy who has a beautiful piece of land in a beautiful location. And we listened to him and the terms sounded good. But when we sat and had a conversation with him, we discovered that the road was supposed to be expanded to take a part of his land. Eh? But because of where he is, eh? because of where he is, he told the road people, find another place to pass your road. When God lifts you up, eh, there are things only you can do for other people. On top of everyone wanting to serve you, there's things only you can do for other people. So it's of benefit to others that you serve, but it's also of benefit to you that you serve. We looked at the eight biblical advantages of serving God. And number one, I'm going to go through the first four very quickly so that we can get into the other four. All right? Number one was serving God is a sign that you're free from the bondage of Pharaoh. If you look at Exodus, in the book of Exodus from chapter 3 verse 12. Can I have Exodus 3 12? I know you're giving me Exodus 8 1 because what's in the notes, but forgive me. The spirit is moving in another direction. <laughs> it says, so he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the purpose that God gave for Moses to take the people out of Egypt was that they may 
serve him. Now I want you to look at the word serve and go with me to um, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I tell you I'm going through the first ones very quickly because you heard this last Sunday. Romans 12 verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? Two words I want you to take note of in that phrase are sacrifice and service. All right? Now give me the uh, amplified version of that same verse. Amplified says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves to set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. So when God is talking to Moses and telling Moses, go get my people out of Egypt, he's telling him that I want you to go and get the people out of Egypt so that they may worship me. So that they may serve me. So that they may offer sacrifice to me. All those three things are mentioned in the book of Exodus. So when you think about serving God, serving God involves sacrifice. Serving God is an act of worship. Worship is not a slow song that you sing after the first songs in church. Right? I was at a function yesterday. And uh, there was this amazing artist, and he was singing his song, Bigger Every Day. So, after singing, at some point, then they began to sing, Bigger Every Day. No, that's not, it's not that he has moved from praise to worship. That's what they taught us in school that the, the, the praise songs. Then we enter worship. No. Ed Silvoso wrote a book called Transformation. And he describes worship in that book as work work that when you work to serve others that is an act of worship because the only way you're going to serve God is by serving others and so when the people are released from bondage in Egypt God's purpose for them is to worship him so you say you come to Sunday to worship. I don't know if you're not serving. Are you worshiping? Service is work. Service is worship. Service is sacrifice. So when you are serving God, it is a sign that you have been delivered from Egypt. Scriptures tell us that you cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will serve one and You'll favor one and what's the other word? And despise the other. I know they were talking about money there, but it's a rule. You can't serve two masters. 
when one calls you will when both call you will choose one the one you choose is the real master whether you choose it out of love or out of fear the one you choose is the real master and so when we are called out of exod out of out of egypt egypt is a reflection of the world when we are called out of egypt to serve god it is a sign when we are serving god that egypt is no longer our master all right okay we need to move we need to move uh, number two, serving is a sign that God's grace in your life is not, has not gone to waste. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. I'm back with you. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now this is the thing, when people hear grace... Their understanding of grace is mostly that, oh, God has forgiven our sins. He has wiped away our sins and he has embraced us and named us, named us his sons. That's our understanding of grace. But that understanding of grace is limited because grace has got two aspects of it. There is the covenant aspect of grace, which is God has signed a covenant with his son, Jesus, that he's no longer angry at us. He's not mad at us, but he's mad about us. All right? There's that aspect for which we are benefactors. I am my father's son. My father is buying land. You see, as he buys land, he doesn't consult me about buying land. He just tells me that we've bought land. But guess whose land it is? It's my land. I wasn't involved in the transaction. I didn't sign anywhere. But because I am my father's son, it's my land. So the covenant that God has with Jesus, his son, doesn't involve you. They didn't consult you. You didn't sign anywhere. But all the benefits of that covenant come to you. They are yours. You're a benefactor. So that's grace. That's one aspect of grace. That what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ, without consulting you, is the total forgiveness and wiping away of your sins that you may have eternal life. Beautiful. We clap for that. However, that's covenant. There's a second aspect of grace, which is kingdom. That now that I am my father's son, how do I conduct myself concerning the affairs of my father? This is the one that Paul is talking about here. When he says that, but the grace of God, by grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Because grace is divine enablement. You are given capacity to do things that in your own strength you're not able to do. So once you are graced with certain capacities, the expectation is that you are going to exercise that grace to do those things. You know, we say... We fast on Wednesdays. Yeah? We fast on Wednesdays. And people will say, the grace is sufficient so at midday they eat. No, 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 no. You've got this grace thing all mixed up. The grace is sufficient so that you are able to fast. The grace is sufficient so that you are able to pray. 
The grace is sufficient so that you are able to stay pure. The grace is sufficient so that you are able to give. The grace is sufficient so that you are able to serve. If you are not serving, then you have taken the grace of God in vain. Let's move on. Ah, pray for me, people. Pray. Pray for me. Number three. Serving God distinguishes you because it is not a small thing to serve God. Look, uh, I'm going to use Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's the thing about expensive and valuable things. Expensive and valuable things are not common. Apostle gave the example last week of a Ferrari engine. A Ferrari engine costs about five million dollars, just the engine. Then for the body, the chassis of the car, that's another maybe two million dollars. Yeah, some of you are going chases. No, it's not chases. <laughs> it's not chases. It's chassis. <laughs> that's another two million dollars. So seven million dollars. I. That's why they are not common. They are not common. Yeah, yeah. There is no Toyota formula, and it's not there. And yet, if you walk into the parking lot, almost every kind of parking lot has that T. Whether it is a Raum, a Vitz, which some people call a Vitz, yeah, a Wish. Name them. They are many and they are common. And they are not that expensive. They cost you something. I'm not saying that they are free. But in light of a Ferrari, of a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a, a, a Formula One car, it's peanuts. So when you, when you decide to serve God, you enter into the rank of the rare and expensive. You become rare and expensive. Your value goes up suddenly. Yeah. You just walked into your suddenly. Because you chose to serve. It is my prayer that everyone who is here today chooses to serve. That in all our locations, everyone is serving. It doesn't really matter where you serve. As long as you're serving. Okay, we move on. We move on. <sighs> Number four. Number four. Serving God is a sign of righteousness. Malachi chapter 3 verse 18. Does any of you know how... Anyway. Do you know a shoe called Malach? You know the shoe called Malach? My time. Do you know how the shoe called Malach got its name? This might be my theory. But there was an evangelist in Uganda, like I think it was in the 1950s. His name was Malach. 
or Malakai. And those are the shoes he used to wear, those safari boots. So they were named after Malach. So these days when you go to Bata to buy Malach, remember that you are walking in the feet of an evangelist. So don't buy your Malachi in vain. Once you buy Malachi, evangelize. Malachi 3.18. You people, my time. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Now the people who serve God are righteous. You see, religion has confused us. Because religion is our attempts at trying to please God. That if you do this and do that, you pray this number of days facing this place, if you cut off this part of your body, if you do this and what, then you please God. You're pleasing to God. And yet the scripture tells us that our righteous acts before him are like filthy rags. Every time we try to do things to please God through religion in the hope that he may wash away our sins and count us pure before him, we are insulting the sacrifice of Jesus. And saying, God, you know what? Your son did good, but it wasn't good enough. I would like to add something. Have you ever been for a meeting? Right? And then they ask for opinions. And then people talk, people talk. Then the CEO, or the most important person in the room, speaks. When the CEO has spoken, the discussion is closed. Then you find some random individual. That's when he decides that I have something to add. No, you don't. You have nothing to add. And that's what we try to do with the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus has died on the cross and forgiven all our sins. And you're like, God, Father, I have something to add to what Jesus did. No, you don't. That is insulting. But God, through Jesus, makes us righteous. It is our appreciation of our righteousness that causes us to serve. It's the other way around. We don't serve to get righteous. We serve because we appreciate the righteousness. I mean, who here has vibed a girl before? Come on, put your hand up. TJ, put your hand up. I see you. There are people here pretending they've never vibed. How did you get married? Married people are pretending. Look, what is vibing? Ah, my time. Vibing, Aish, is when you come up with all these sorts of lines. Yeah? I will cross the ocean for you. I will go and bring you the moon. I will be your hero, your strength, everything you need. I see all of you who need Jesus. Those of you who are singing along. I see you. You all need Jesus. Ah! When you make those promises to the girl, eh? In the hope that you're going to win her over. Then she says yes. 
Now you don't sing those songs to win her over anymore. You sing those songs because you know she loves you. Ah! The motive has changed. So we serve God because he has called us righteous. We don't serve God because we want to be righteous. So when you are serving God, you are testifying with him that yes, I am the righteousness of God. And therefore, if you don't serve him, you're walking in wickedness. Let's move on. My time. <sighs> Must redeem the time for the days are evil. <laughs> Number five. Okay, now we move on to the others. Number five. Serving God joyfully protects you from serving your enemies. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 47 to 48 says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Ow! That is a very bleak verse. Not encouraging at all, at all, at all. Serving God joyfully protects you from serving your enemies. I said earlier that you cannot serve two masters. You serve one and despise the other. Okay? And so when God calls you to serve him and you say yes, he graces you with the capacity to serve him. He graces you with the capacity to do good things. He graces you with the capacity to do righteous acts. He graces you with the capacity to help others, to lift others, to build others. Because if not, when you choose to serve yourself, because if you're not serving God, you're really trying to serve yourself. You're being selfish. Give me James chapter 3 verse 16. James 3 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Give me in uh, Amplified. Let me see if it gives us a bit of a different story. For where jealousy and selfish ambition. You see, when you choose not to serve God, how do you serve God? You serve God, remember we talked about sacrifice worship, work. When you serve God, you're actually serving others. You're serving others. That's how you serve God. And to serve others, you have to look away from yourself and start to look to the ones that you are serving. But otherwise, if you are choosing to serve yourself, you're being selfish. And when you are selfish, say every evil thing and morally degrading practice exists. That's why when you try to serve yourself, you can't help yourself. You think your money is for you alone, that's why you're always broke. Uh, they're asking if this is part of today's someone just sneaked that one in. But that's, it. That, that's how it is. You become your own enemy. And you see, if you take me back to um, Deuteronomy 28, 47. Yeah? Please, 
serve God with joy and gladness of heart. I made a decision in my life last week. It was just last week. I said, I am never going to have another sad day in my life. It doesn't matter what is happening. I will be happy. I know some of you are already judging me. Say, what do you do at funerals? I celebrate the life of the deceased. Can I tell you guys a secret? Unless Jesus returns in the next, let me say, a hundred years, we are all going to die. All of us, without exception. Death is a part of life just like sneezing. Yes. It's going to happen to everyone. So if you elevate it to some sort of position, you are mistaken and you are misguided. So don't be sad about death. It happens to all of us. It's an opportunity for you to celebrate life. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Look at the blessings that those people have been while they were here with you. And thank God. Remember we started talking about thanksgiving as a doorway to the supernatural. If you enter into a place of thanksgiving, there is nothing that can come your way and take away your joy. It's not possible. It's not possible. Okay. Psalm 100 and 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Sing. By the sing, join the worship team. We'll figure out the technicalities of your singing later. We just won't give you a mic, but you will sing with the team. People, my time. All right. We move on. Number six. Serving God will lead to the defeat of sickness in your life. Exodus chapter 23 verse 27. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Ah! When you look at the people who've served God with their lives, they live long. Billy Graham lived up to what? 99. Charles Stanley 92. I named them Moses. Yeah? Pat Robertson. How old was he? 92, 82, 92, and a big number, whatever that number is, it's big. Do you know why? God preserves the saints who are serving him. There's a reason mafuta is called oil. Oil, anointing is called mafuta. Mafuta is oil. Yeah? Oil is a fuel. So God is going to fuel those who are serving him and sustain them with long life. You know the verse that we like? With long life you will sustain me and show me your salvation. If you're not serving, that verse doesn't apply to you. Yes. Because why is he sustaining you with long life? So that you continue to consume the resources for the rest who are serving. No. He sustains you with long life as long as you are serving him. 
Number seven. Number seven. Serving will lead you to spend your days in prosperity. (laughs) So, I'm going to use this example that Apostle has used before. People do not want to join service in the church because they believe that those who serve in the church are broke. Interestingly, the evidence out there seems to be true. That those who go to church a lot seem to be broke. Any lawyers in the house? Let me see a lawyer in the house. Lawyers. Billable hours. Right? When you work, you bill the client for the number of hours you have worked. And you are paid according to the number of hours you have worked. If you work for one hour, you can't claim wages for a week. Now, the reason it seems that people in church are broke is because they spend a lot of time in church, but they are not serving. That's the good question. What are they doing? The scriptures are telling us that if you serve the Lord, you will live your life in prosperity. The scriptures don't lie. So if you are not living in prosperity, you know where to look. Evaluate your service. Some of the richest, I was listening to Jesse Duplantis the other day. He he wants to buy his wife a jet. I'll be there. Hello. The man can preach hours on hours on hours on hours of preaching. I mean, let's not go very far. You've seen Apostle. The man lives in prosperity. He has said it himself that he has no needs. Why? Apostle can preach. eh? He can preach. Hours after hours after hours of preaching. That is serving. Ask yourself, how much serving are you doing? And then go back to your balance sheet. I need to move on. The verse here is Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 to 14. It says, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. Remember when Elijah stood and said, there shall be no rain in all of this land except by my word? Why was that the case? Because the king at that time was not serving God and neither were his subjects. So he was able to call that prophecy upon the land and stop the rain. If the king was serving God and Elijah tried that prophecy, ah, he was going to be shocked. It may have even rained on the day that he declared that prophecy. Let's move on. 
the last one. The last one. Serving will result in God honoring you. John chapter 12 verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. If you choose to serve God, all these blessings that I have spoken about in the other seven are a result of God honoring you. God is very honorable. He keeps his word. He says he has exalted his word above all things, even his name. He will keep his word concerning those who serve him. It's as if God is indebted to those who serve him. And when you choose to serve him, he will honor you. When you choose to serve God, you will be honored. You will be lifted because you have humbled yourself to do the will of God. You have humbled yourself to be of service and of value, not just to yourself, but of value to others. So my plea with you today, as we come to the end of this service, as I conclude, will you serve God? Will you serve God? Will you make a decision to serve God today? Don't push it to tomorrow. You're just delaying your blessings by another day. You're delaying being honored by God another day. Will you choose to serve God today? Will you choose to put your energy into serving God? Will you put, choose to put your finances and resources into serving God? Will you choose to put your time into serving God? Will you choose to put your skill into serving God? Now, there are many of us here who are skilled in many things. Doctors, lawyers, engineers. Unfortunately, we tend to use most of our skill to serve Pharaoh. We have exchanged our skill for a paycheck. Try God. Try using your skill to serve God and see how we will honor you. Let's stand to our feet. Earlier on I mentioned that serving God serving God is a sign of righteousness. The Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we should become the righteousness of God. Your service to God is not a religious act. Your service to God flows naturally out of the righteousness that you are. Which means that if you are not the righteousness of God, serving becomes a religious act. which in the eyes of God is like filthy rags. So if you're going to begin your journey of service to God and tap into all the blessings 
that God has for those who serve him. Your first step is to become the righteousness of God. The Bible says that if anyone confesses, believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, he shall be saved. When you are saved, you become the righteousness of God. And becoming the righteousness of God equips you to serve in the house of God. And so maybe you're here today and you've never taken that first step of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus broke it for you on the cross. Today I want to give you an opportunity to walk away from that life of struggle into a life of the promises of God. If you want to get born again today, I'm going to ask you that while the rest of us are praying, you put your hand up and we shall pray with you. I see one hand. Thank you very much for that hand. I can't see very clearly into the crowd. I'm going to ask the neighbors of that person to walk with them boldly to the front. Just accompany them to the front. Amazing. Thank you, sir, for taking this bold step. You have broken the ice for many others who are coming after you. I am still waiting. There's probably another hand somewhere. Somebody else. Awesome. This is a day of thanksgiving. And there's no better way to enter into the thanksgiving of God than to offer your life to Him. Actually, you're not offering your life to Him. You are taking His life. Amazing. Good to see you, sir. Looks like today's a day for men. Can we get some bold ladies walking to the front today? Can we have some bold ladies coming to the front as well? Up there. Any bold ladies up there? Somewhere there in the back. Is there any bold lady who wants to take a step? Getting born again today. You know, you might be having the struggle that I may have had. You see, I got born again many times. <laughs> because I didn't understand. I didn't understand that's one reason. The other reason is that I have never been a bad person. I have never been a bad person. My parents brought me up to go to church every Sunday. Whether we understood what was being taught or not, we went. I never escaped from school to go dancing, to go drinking or anything like that. I never did that stuff. Never run away with anyone's daughter. I don't have some children out there that I don't know about. I see somebody else coming. I see somebody else coming. You see, in my books, I was righteous. And maybe that's your problem. Ah, you're welcome, sir. Ah, beautiful. 
You're welcome, sir. You are welcome, sir. And maybe that's your problem. My problem that I thought I was good. And so I didn't need I didn't need a savior. Have our first lady. You're welcome. You're welcome. But you see, a savior is not to change the things you do. It is to change who you are. The Savior changes who we are. Not what we do. What we do comes later. But you can't change what you do without changing who you are. You're welcome. You're welcome, sir. I see another person coming. You're welcome, sir. Maybe I give it another one minute. You might be struggling there with your decision. I'm going to ask you to ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, can I walk with you to the front? Can I walk with you to the front to receive Jesus? You're welcome, lady. Ask your neighbor. Just ask your neighbor. This is an opportunity to talk to your neighbor. And ask them and say, hey, can I walk with you to the front? Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for these brothers and sisters that have come before you. I'm going to ask that we pray together. Is that okay? Right? So I'm going to say these words and then you'll say them after me. Okay? I'm going to ask the guys at the back to lay their hands on your shoulders and pray for you as you say this prayer. Okay? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with an eternal love that you found me where I was lost and you drew me close today I give you my life and accept the life that you have for me may you use me may you walk through me may I serve you significantly everywhere I go and may your Holy Spirit rest upon me and strengthen me and encourage me because today I am saved in Jesus name we pray Amen so I'm going to ask you to take one finger point your one finger, just one finger and like your warning like your warning, I want you to say devil my business with you is over I belong to Jesus I serve one master get out in Jesus name amen wonderful I want you to follow that gentleman over there just go with Pastor Trevor He's going to take down your details so that we can continue to walk with you in this new life that you have entered into. Just walk with him. I just want to do one more prayer. One more prayer. I want to pray for anybody who is sick here today. 
scriptures tell us that he sent them to preach the gospel and to heal their diseases and so we can't preach the gospel and not heal diseases would be disobeying scripture yeah so I want you to if you're sick in any way I want you to put your hand on that part that hurts if you can't put your hand on that part that hurts just put your hand on your forehead or on your chest as a representative of the part that hurts and I'm going to pray with you Heavenly Father you have promised in your word that you shall take sickness away from the midst of us and through the sacrifice of your son Jesus who was beaten for our sake by his stripes we were healed and therefore by his stripes we are healed so I address every sickness in this house today even for those who are watching online I rebuke and curse you in the name of Jesus and command you to leave the bodies of the sons and daughters of God who are here today you are trespassing and you have no right there by the authority of heaven I cast you out and I proclaim healing upon everyone who hears the sound of my voice today that from this day going forward they are totally healed in Jesus name amen thank you very much everybody for coming today thank you for joining us in the service today we've come to the end of this service and may God bless you may he watch over you may his spirit be poured over you in every space where you are may you receive the favor of God to go with you may doors open before you in places where they've been shut before may you experience the favor of God in all that you do in Jesus mighty name we pray amen for listening to this teaching we hope that you've been blessed by the worship harvest sermon series for more teachings and other resources visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555 that is 0393-281-555